Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Smoke Signals. I'm Justin Latta and I'm joined by John Panza. We had a, a three-headed monster last week for the podcast because uh, it was major news on the police sack and Clevenger situation and we've seen some resolution to that. So John, I think we were both very, uh, I don't want to say emotional, but we were both, both very charged on the subject last week. And I feel like this week we have a much more positive tone to go off of. Well, when you outscore your opponents 35 to 15 over the last six games, it's going to change the tone of the team. And it feels like a a switch has been flipped by the Cleveland Indians. And in this 2020 season, Justin, when the schedule came out in early July, there was a stretch of games that you looked at and you said, oh, they got to cash in on that stretch. Three against the Tigers in Detroit, three against the Pirates at PNC and now three against the Tigers this weekend back at Progressive Field. A nine-game stretch of games against teams that are in total rebuild mode, and the Indians, if they were going to be a playoff team, they needed to, to go 7-2 and two or 8-1, and one, in my mind, to make this stretch a fulfilling one, and they're right on the cusp of doing that, if not better. So this has been a very good stretch of, of baseball. Are there still concerns about this team offensively? Yes, there are still concerns. Those, those issues are, are still present. But you know what? When you drop two starters from your rotation, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak, and it's looking like as a team, your energy could be in question, how you respond could be in question, Where's the leadership going to come from? Terry Francona put it on everybody last week. We have seen everybody on this ball club take some ownership, get the the dugout started. That's been the biggest development of the past week. They've got uh, what Sandy Alomar calls uh, dugout cheerleaders, cheerleader captains. And we've seen Greg Allen on the drums. We've seen Carlos Santana dancing. We've seen Framil Reyes singing. I know that that stuff all can, can come off at surface level, like, oh, it's cheesy, it's soft college softball-like. Let me tell you, I think when the Indians face the Cubs, they could hear the Cubs from the dugout, and then they got to Comerica Park Friday, and Comerica Park, opened, they've expanded their dugout to allow all the players in there. So that was the first time the Indians were in the dugout together as a team, an entire team all season long. And Terry Francona said that made a difference, and, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, yes, they were they were going to win some of these games against the Pirates and Tigers, probably by default. But we have seen an energy switch flipped with this team, and they've responded really well from the Clevenger police sack drama. I'm not going to say that that, that that drama is the only reason why they've switched a flip, uh, a flip to switch, rather. <laughs> but I do think it contributes. It contributes to the way that they've been playing here over the last week. And this team has really, uh, they've, they've, they've shown us something. They have showed us something, and they've given themselves an opportunity in the American League Central Division. Yeah, I kind of wonder, <clears throat> I was going to bring this up later, but since you touched on it now, I kind of wonder, and we, we talked about this in IBI post games. and if you're not watching those, I, I encourage you to watch those after every game. Check the links on Twitter uh, after the game, because we've been having a lot of fun, and we hope you have been too if you've been listening. But I, I kind of wonder if after they had that meeting to air everything out in Detroit, 
if they've kind of, I hate to use their, their hashtag, they finally killed because they needed to, it had gone on too long, but I kind of wonder if they rallied together around this. Like they, they, you know, Oliver Perez threatened to opt out. Francisco Lindor didn't quite go that far, but it seemed like he wasn't from reports from Jeff Pass and from ESPN. It made it seem like he wasn't that far off of making that statement. Um, but it just seems like they've kind of rallied together around this and decided that, you know, we're not going to let these issues destroy our season. We're going to, we're going to make this decision as a team. And it sounds like they did. They decided as a team that was best for the team, for those two to, to be optioned out of the minor leagues because of the issues they were causing. And they kind of rallied around that and it brought them together. Am I wrong? Do you feel like that's, that had something to do with this team kind of grouping together or, or is it confirmation bias that they've played two horrible teams in the last six days? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, because of the opponent, and we got to see what this team does against the Twins Monday through Wednesday, and then the Cardinals next week. And the Cardinals are a better club than than either of the two clubs that the Indians have faced. Now, I, I think Aaron Savali said it best after his first career complete game Wednesday, which is my highlight of the week. I was just so impressed with the way Savali threw the ball, it, it, his his timing, his pace of his outing. He's in such a rhythm. He was getting guys out in three or less pitches time and again. Six of the first nine hitters, he did that too. I was so impressed. And he said after the game, we are playing with clear heads and clear minds. Four, we are, can't lose. We are grown men playing a, a little kid's game. And he, he just – Aaron Savali is not a guy that would make a statement that's a little bit more colorful. He's, he's robotic. He gets compared to Kluber as a result. So I thought that was a fascinating quote from Savali to say, we've got a, a clear head. We, we're, we're going out there right now, and we're just being ourselves. And he said, it's a lot of fun to be in that dugout right now. And I think between him and then Sandy Alomar even said, after these six games, he, I, I said, what, what's been the difference in the team's energy in the last six games? And he just said, oh, a total difference, a total difference. So I'll tell you what. I think part of it, look, sometimes you play an opponent and, and just you start to, to see the ball go over the fence. You start to get some swings, some good swings on the ball. The Tigers pitching certainly could help with that. But I also think uh, this team does have a changed energy because, Justin, early in the season, it didn't matter which pitcher the Indians were facing. The Royals had some young arms that were making the Indians look silly. Um, and Minnesota totally shut down the Tribe. And Minnesota's pitching staff is good. Uh, the Indians were making them look outstanding. You know, I would say solid, actually. I don't know if I'd, I'd call it a really good pitching staff. I, I, I'd say solid. But I, I just I – was, I was thinking about the whole, the whole complexion of this season, and it just – it wasn't looking in a good place a week ago. And now you've given yourselves an opportunity. You've responded from everything. And this ball club – the one constant here, Justin, no matter what your energy is, if you get good starting pitching, you're going to be able to, to stay in a lot of games. And right now, the Indians are putting the nail in the coffin because they have a bullpen that's taken over late in games and it's been one of the best bullpens in baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm blown away by how good the bullpen's been. And I think to your point, too, about, about just how bad things were looking early on or how mediocre they looked. Um, you know, maybe sometimes it doesn't matter who you're playing and it doesn't matter about how much you beat them. Like, would we all prefer they beat the Tigers and Pirates 19 to nothing? Sure, that that makes you feel better. But 
maybe the results don't matter as much as, you know, Hey, we're not playing perfect baseball right now in all facets. And we still managed to win six in a row. And we beat the well, team we were supposed to beat. Hey, if you beat the pirates or tigers, 19, nothing, you might get a message from Chris Woodward. <laughs> not respecting the unwritten rules of the game. You're right. We wouldn't want that. So, okay. Maybe it's got to be 10 nothing, and then you don't swing the rest of the game. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't run into that yet with this offense. I mean, they did they did beat the Reds 13 nothing, and nobody said a word about that. So, But then again, nobody nobody hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch in that game. So, Right. Uh, Reds were also walking in runs. That was an <laughs> There was no need to swing. Yeah, Cincinnati's been disappointing. You know, we've talked about some of the some of the teams across the league that we've had mixed reactions on. You know, I think Cincinnati's shown us uh, they're not all the way there yet. I think the White Sox have also showed us, look, they've got plenty of power, but at some point you've got to have pitching be able to sustain, and they've had some injuries. They've had some some uh, some tough predicaments there. So, you know, for the Indians, I was just thinking about it. Like, they have the luxury of being able to, to hand the ball to Adam Plutko, and I think Plutko has a really important start Friday night coming mm-hmm. off the two-and-two-thirds outing in Detroit. You know, if, if he has another not-as-good outing, they could certainly hand the ball to Logan Allen for, for longer relief or, or do some different things with their bullpen. But, you know, I think that the Indians, well, they, they might have to, to make a, an adjustment of some sort or, or might have to do something different. If, if Plucko has another outing where he's not able to get them to the fifth inning, uh, I, I'm just I'm curious to see. I think that this is a big start for Adam Plucko Friday night uh, against the Tigers. But I think there's such a luxury for the Indians, the fact that they can call up Tristan McKenzie uh, and, and he's more than ready to go in their minds. The fact that they've got Scott Moss uh, in Lake County and they could count on him for a start if need be. They've got other guys as well that they've brought up, um, brought up in their press conferences that they could have gone with. Like To have that luxury, while there's other organizations in baseball right now that are unsure of what they're going to do three days from now with their rotation because they've either had injuries or – it's a 60-game sprint. They're just having trouble finding their way through it. Or they went with a four-man rotation and said, ah, we'll kind of toss around a bullpen guy every five days. Like, the Indians, even down Clevenger and Plesak, they're able to put out a quality start many more times than not. And I just think it's downright scary right now that the Indians, for the time being in their rotation, the way it's lined up, you're going from Aaron Savali to Shane Bieber. I mean, are you kidding me? That's as tough of a duo in the game right now. Yeah. Aaron Savali was, was fantastic against the pirates. And that was a good outing for him because his last outing, you know, he got hit a lot around a little bit and I think he kind of got a sorts and, and the rotation's been good, but there have been like little blips. And I think that's what we were talking about with the way the team was playing. Like, Carlos Carrasco didn't look great against the Cubs, and he didn't look great against the Pirates. Uh, Adam Plutko is has had better starts, but he was short in his last two, and the bullpen covered for both of them, which is huge. So you said this is an important start for Plutko because he's got to get past the third inning in this start. Not only – well, the bullpen's been given kind of a break thanks to Aaron Savali, but um, he, you know, for him to – I don't know. I don't want to say stay in the rotation because he probably will be. but No, but here's the other thing. We, we are also putting a lot on the rotation because the offense is still in an uncertain place. Jose sure. Ramirez and Francisco Lindor still have not really come out of it. Like, they show us in flashes, but Ramirez is all of a sudden mired in an 0-for-14 slump. Lindor is a little bit all over the place. 
He had a hard hit ball against the Pirates in the series finale. He did have another hit uh, in that game. But I don't know. I just I just don't know where those two guys are. When they're both on, it seems like everybody else gets going. You know, the one encouraging sign is Domingo Santana is showing us a little bit something. He's had a couple of hard hit balls. He had that bases clearing double in Pittsburgh. Maybe that's a starter for him. And there's there's no doubt Fran Mel Reyes is in a is in a better place here. But like, have they answered the the bell fully on the bottom of the order? No, no. This this week wasn't as ringing of an endorsement in the bottom four hitters in the order. And uh, Tyler Naquin's put some better swings on the ball, which is good. But they they expected him to do that. So I just I, I think again, like we don't know what we're going to get from this offense. You, you just don't know what you're going to get from the bats night in and night out. So then that does put pressure on your starting pitching. I just think it says a lot about a bunch of young arms. Not that the Indians didn't think that they would handle it, but that they have handled it and that they are 16 and nine. The Indians are averaging less than four runs a game and they're 16 and nine. I don't care who you're playing. Uh, that's, that's pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable that they're in this spot and that they're nearing the halfway point. They're down two starting pitchers, but they've still just kept on winning and kept on churning out victories. And they have the best ace in the sport in Shane Bieber. A couple thoughts on Bieber, Justin, and then I, I want to get your thoughts on him. But we have to go over some of these numbers. These aren't nerd baseball numbers. These are historic numbers. Think about this. Shane Bieber, not that we're against nerd baseball numbers. We like it, but I'm just saying. To the, to the casual sports fan who's like, oh, I don't want to hear about numbers. Listen to this. Shane Bieber has put up 10 or more strikeouts a total of 11 times in his career, which is now 60 games. The only other Indians pitchers with 10 or more double-digit strikeout games in their first 60 games of their career, Herb score with 17, Bob Feller with 12. It gets better. According to stats, Shane Bieber has struck out 10 or more hitters without allowing a run in four of his six starts this season. Only two other pitchers have accomplished this feat four times in six starts since 1900. In the last 120 years, only two other pitchers have accomplished the feat of four times with 10 or more strikeouts and no runs given up in six starts. Not just to start the season anytime. Nolan Ryan in 1978 and Chris Sale in 2018. And Shane Bieber has 65 strikeouts to the first six starts of his season. That is the fourth most by a pitcher since this stat was getting tracked in 1893. It's behind only Pedro Martinez and Nolan Ryan. He's tied with Kurt Schilling. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot more you can say. I mean, unfortunately, it deserves more more airplay and more words because it's just, it is it is unbelievable. He is fascinating. I know. Um, I'm gonna say, Mandy Bell and Sarah and Sarah Langs, had a good article the other day about just how he's done it and how good he's been, and it's because he's been able to increase the drop on his curveball. His curveball's better. He's added the cutter. I mean, the guy the guy is just getting better. He got. He was an, the all-star MVP a year ago, and he's better than that. How do you – okay, the all-star game's one game, and I know he was uh, a replacement player in that game. He wasn't elected, you know, in the, in the traditional way. But 
that's a pretty high point in one's career, I would feel like. And to go to the next year and get better and and to name the names you just named and, and Corey Kluber, who we all think has been one of the best two or three pitchers in Indians history. And the Indians have had good pitching for a long time. If you go back to the forties and even, uh, you know, CC Sabathia and Cliff Lee and man, for him to be on that list. And, and I mean, he's only 25. I think that was the only knock against Corey Kluber is his career got started a little bit later. You know, Kluber didn't break out till late in his career. And Bieber at this point in his career is already far ahead of where Kluber was. That's mind blowing to me to think that the Indians moved on from Corey Kluber and, you know, how good he was and how important he was to this team and how important the precedent he set here has been, especially for Shane Bieber. But to think that Shane Bieber might even be better, that is absolutely unbelievable to me. And I'm going to let you follow up on that. But while you're doing that, I'm going to look because I saw this yesterday on Baseball America. The scouting report from 2016 on him was mind-blowing compared to where he is now. Well, everything he's doing is mind-blowing. And (laughs) you are looking at a situation where the Indians could rack up a fifth American League Cy Young Award win in the last 13 years. That's unfreaking believable I think you're, and, and, and coming into the year, people thought Clevenger could contend for that too, even. Absolutely, they did. And uh, things obviously have, haven't gone in the same direction. But I, I actually think I saw more people predicting Clevenger to contend than Bieber. Like, I, I remember, and remember the, <laughs> how about in the preseason when people were saying, Clevenger's our ace, Bieber's not our ace. What's going on here? Uh, the Indians know what they're doing with their pitching. That's what's going on here. I talked with a couple people on Twitter earlier this week about this. By the way, at John underscore Fanta on Twitter, at JL underscore baseball if you want to talk with us. And the, the whole debate was, is this luck or do they deserve credit? You cannot have it. I've, I've been around since 1995 um, on this earth. Justin, as long as I can remember, which starts around 2000, 2001, I can tell you as an Indians fan and follower of this team and now covering the team that I can always remember going down to the ball game or watching the game on TV and at least I almost 80%, if not 90%, and I don't think this is normal for every fan, every baseball fan of another team, that I've sat down and have said to myself from, I can say from the age of eight years old, oh, the Indians got a chance tonight, you know, we've, we've got an okay pitcher on the mound or we've got a great pitcher on the mound. Like I've never sat there and said, God, this pitching is just, oh, it's, it's not good. This, this pitching staff is horrible. Sometimes you have blips. Sometimes you have a bullpen year. That's not good. We've seen those. We've seen them even recently. Starting rotation-wise, the consistency that this organization's put up for nearly the last two decades is absolutely fantastic and deserves much more credit than it is luck. Yeah, I agree. And and I mean, twenty. You want to go back to twenty twelve and twenty eleven, twenty ten. There were definitely nights where there were pitchers where I was like, "Yeah, there's no way they're winning this game." That's that has not been the case since twenty thirteen. And that and to me, that's the mark of it of a true. Of, well, it's the mark of an ace, but it's also the mark of how good. 
beginning of pitching development has been. But when you when Shane Bieber takes the mound, you feel like really like you just said, you feel like there's a really good chance you're gonna win the game. And that's what it felt like Thursday night when Bieber took the mound. The Indians only scored two runs, but you felt like, yeah, that's gonna be enough as long as the bullpen holds it together. And obviously when you strike out 11 batters in six innings, your pitch count runs up and you can't finish the game. That's no knock to Bieber. That's just a knock of how dominant he was. And three of us, not myself, but three of you guys on the staff predicted Bieber to win the Cy Young. Yourself, Joe Koblenz, and Tyler Stotsky. Uh, the other three of us picked Garrett Cole, which would, would have been a good pick. But to me, Bieber is the front runner now. And and going back to the, the report I said on, on uh, from Baseball America, this is no knock on Baseball America because they do a great job. And this is just how hard it is sometimes to judge pitching out of the draft or in general and, and to catch up to how the Indians have done things. And I think the Indians have forced you as forced me as someone who writes about prospects and anybody out there who does that to rethink how they're watching pitching that's coming through the Indian system, because you just can't say, well, this guy is a command guy and is a five starter. Now he's, he might be more because that's what the Indians are doing with these guys. But this was the report. Bieber thrived as the number three star in 2015 for USCB uh, behind number four overall pick Dylan Tate and fifth rounder Jason or Justin Hockamy, then shifted into a Friday night role as an ace as a junior. Bieber doesn't have the stuff of, uh, of an ace, but he has premium control and is ranked in the top 15 in the country the last two seasons over more 200 innings. He thrives at locating a, a fastball that's 88 92 which he commands well for a college pitcher. He can pitch up and down with it, then mix in the fringe average breaking ball, more of a slider than a curve, and a too-firm low 80s changeup. Pitches with a tempo and aggressiveness, belying his fringy stuff, and competes well. Bieber has one of the cleanest, most repeatable deliveries of any college pitcher in the class, but his lack of a present plus pitch limits him to a back-of-the-rotation ceiling. And again, that's not a knock on Baseball America. That, That is more of... Bieber developing and working his rear end off and the Indians pitching development over the last couple of years. That is an unbelievable, like I said, baseball America does a great job. They, they see do. more college high school players than anybody for them to say that. And for Bieber to completely blow past that is, is incredible. Yes, it is. It, it really is remarkable. And he's only 25 years old to go from one 25 year old in Savali to another in Bieber. It's pretty special. Let, let's turn to the lineup here. We've had enough positive talk. You're right. On a scale <laughs> of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10 here, I asked you this earlier this season. I think you were at like a I think you were at like a 4.5, 5-ish range. You might have touched 6, but we've been around there. Like, through 25 games of the season now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being gravely worried, 1 being it'll figure it out. Where are you with the Indians offense? I think I said five and a half the last time we talked about this. I'm going to bump it up to a six and a half because, well, okay. I'm going to actually stay where I am because you know what? Since the last time we talked, Fran Mill Reyes is, or we, we did this. Fran Mill Reyes has caught fire. Yes. Carlos Santana looked good against the Pirates. I think he's coming out of it. I don't care who he's facing. The swings look better. And I was never worried anyway because the guy doesn't swing at junk. Um, I'm a little worried. I'm a, okay. I'll give it a five and a half to a six because Francisco Lindor, this is probably the longest he's looked this bad in his career. I'm not convinced Domingo Santana is the long-term answer in left field, or at least the next two years. And I'm a little 
bothered by not I'm not worried, but I'm bothered that Jose Ramirez, uh, his greatness has been so inconsistent. Like we said, the top five in this order have to be really good. They all have to play up to their expectations for this offense to be good because the bottom three or the bottom, yeah, six through nine are, are just not, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. And it's been inconsistent night to night. I feel good uh, the last couple of nights of how Tyler Naquin swung the bat. I, I think he'll get there. And I, I think Jordan Luplo will get there, but I still don't feel good about the six through nine spots in the order. And as long as the, the top five are not playing each to their own expectations or their own track records. It's hard to feel good. That being said, like we said in the post game after the pirates uh, went over the pirates on Wednesday or Thursday, the pitching and the offense are still good enough to be a playoff team in a 16 team uh, tournament, the way it's going this year. But if you're asking me how I feel about the offense and the chance to, to win the playoffs and score enough runs to win in the playoffs, I'm probably about a six out of 10 on the concern list as it stands. Yeah, the again, the the offense, the bottom half of the order is just one big question mark. I mean, that that's that's not it hasn't changed. I don't know if it's going to change like it. I don't know what's going to happen here, but everybody's like they need to get a bat. I just don't know how you're going to find that. And your infield, it's not going to come in your infield. Those guys are everyday players. And in your outfield, you have too many chefs in your kitchen and have mm-hmm. to figure out a way to get three. But that's been a revolving door. Why do you think Jordan Luplo is going to come out of it? I'm curious. Uh, okay, I, I might be higher on Jordan Luplo than the community. You're higher than me on him. Well, I know I'm higher than you. I think I'm, I'm higher than a lot of people we've spoken to uh, among fans this year. But he has a minor league track record where he's hit well. He hit well last year. Um, I think the back injury probably threw him off some. Yeah, good point. <laughs> That's a bummer. Um, And he hasn't had consistent playing time. I was a little, I was a little surprised. They didn't play him on Wednesday night or maybe Tuesday night. I forget what, what night the, the pirates threw Steven brawl. That was Wednesday, right? Lefty. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought maybe they'd get him in the lineup the night before against the right hand to get him some, some at bats and get him going and then have him feel good and get, you know, eight at bats in a row in two nights. Um, I think the minor league track record is good enough and what he did last year against lefties. It's just a matter of, of finding the spots. They haven't, they haven't faced as many lefties this year as they have in years past. So maybe he won't get it going because they, they don't have that opportunity to play him every day or as often as they did a year ago. But I, I personally liked his, what he did in the minors. And I, I like what he did against lefties enough to think that he'll be able to, com- to fill his role when the time comes against lefties. I don't know about righties, but I think he's going to be good enough to do what he's supposed to do. Tell you what, he's going to face back-to-back lefties on Saturday Mm -hmm. and Sunday, Matthew Boyd and then uh, Scooball. So I'll tell you what, if if Jordan Luplo is going to come out of this, this is a great weekend to do it against Detroit because then you're going to face the Twins and the Indians are going to need to have their best nine out there. So they need to hope that Luplo gets it going. I I think think one – like this is the scenario I keep playing out in my head. So Delano, the shields, I've liked a good amount of what I've seen. I think a lot of people would say the same. He adds something to this team and in center field has been reliable. Naquin and right left field, still a mystery. I will say this, the swings that I've seen Tyler Naquin put on the ball have been a lot better than the rest of the outfielders. I, I just, I've, 
I've been convinced that that uh, he's he's more than fine to be there in right field. So I'm going to sit here right now and I'll say this. Left field, I get it. If you want to play around with that, Santana, uh, even Zimmer, Luplo, like I get that. Naquin coming off the three-hit performance in Pittsburgh, what's been said is, well, we've got to we've got to find combinations any way we can. We're just waiting for somebody to break out. Like I don't care that there's back-to-back lefties going Saturday and Sunday. I, I, I guess I just I'm saying I hope that Naquin. If he keeps going on Friday against the Tigers, keep him in there and, and you figure out the rest of your situation. Like I'm I'm saying I'm not all about in this 60 game sprint being like, well, they're facing lefty Saturday and Sunday, so let's go with Domingo Santana, Delino DeShields, and Jordan Luplo. Maybe that's what they'll do, Justin. And and maybe I'm wrong about this, but uh, I, I'm sitting here and saying if we're waiting for somebody to get hot, because that's kind of been the way that the Indians have gone about this with the outfield. If Tyler Naquin keeps it going on Friday against Michael Fulmer, like keep him in that lineup. Let, let things mesh. I, I, I'm not saying the Indians will or won't do it. If, does, am I making sense here with my philosophy or no? I do agree with you. Um, <clears throat> track record. Or, okay. Not a long track record because it was just last year, but <clears throat> the platoon of, Naquin and Lupla was fantastic a year ago. It was equivalent to to JD Martinez and Michael Brantley's production a year ago. Wow. That that yeah, that platoon worked last year, and I think they want to stick with it. But I mean, I'm not opposed to seeing Naquin against a lefty. I'm like I said, I'm not overly thrilled with Domingo Santana. I think that's what I'm saying. You can put Luplo in left. Yeah, yeah. I think you can leave him in there. And to be honest, in Detroit. You need the better de- outfield defense. I don't yes. know. If you, I don't know if you can afford. I mean, it didn't cost them last weekend, but we did see Domingo Santana make two. Now, very- these games, these games are in Cleveland, but yes. Okay, okay, you're right. They're in Cleveland, so maybe much of a difference. Okay, it they're feels not- like feels like we haven't been home in a month. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, I, 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 I like, on the road all the time now. When I see progressive field on my TV tonight, I'm going to be like, "Wait, we still play there?" Because <laughs> the Indians have been on the road. I think for all but two of their last like six series, which is, which bodes well for them. They're 16 and nine. Yeah. They look, they played at Minnesota. They split two or they had a home and home against the reds. So actually, yeah, out of the last couple series, they've only played four home games because wow, I got to go through that and look at what they did on that stretch. That's they've a- only played four home games in the month of August, actually, because they split that home and home with the reds. And then they came home for two against the Cubs and they went right back on the road for six. Yeah. And they had just come off a three-game uh, set in Chicago when all this drama started. How about so, yeah. the way this schedule closes at home? Home games against the White Sox, home games against the Pirates. If they're in a tight race, that's beneficial. Tiger, yeah. Tigers, okay. So they have they have three against the Tigers in the month of September. They have one, two, three, four, five against the Royals. And then three against the white or the uh, the pirates. That's pretty good. I, I don't know. The White Sox are going to be tough. I'm not going to. They're at home at least, but I'm not going to you know chalk it up to the being no, a, a. No, a, I'm not doing a, that. But I'm just saying. They yeah. only and they only have three in September with the Twins. They do have two with the Cubs, and they do have some with the Brewers. The Brewers are tough, but their September schedule is pretty good. You're right. They they if they could get the offense going by then and. and all they got to do is really just survive this series with Minnesota. Don't 
don't get blown out of the water. The Cardinals series might be tough because um, they're I, they've been playing well since they came back. They just have to get four runs a game. What do we say? They're even three. They're twelve and zero when they score three. Just score three. How hard is it to score three runs? It can't be that hard. I mean, it'd be hard for you and I to do it, but it shouldn't be hard when you have three all-stars at the top of your lineup and Fran Mel Reyes and, and Cesar Hernandez is good. You just have to find, you know what? If you want to stick Bradley Zimmer or Delano Shields or even Greg Allen in center field at the bottom of the lineup, I don't care. They're going to, they're going to save a lot of runs for you defensively and they're going to Zimmer to me, I, I think will get on or Oscar Mercado. I guess I totally forgot about Oscar Mercado. We haven't talked about that yet. But I don't care who's in center field. Any of those guys will do fine for me in center field. They have to figure – I'm, I'm fine with the platoon in right field of Naquin and Luplo, as you know. They have to find somebody who can play every day in left field. I don't – either Domingo Santana's got to get it going or they've got to make a decision on to bring somebody in. Um, they don't owe Domingo Santana a lot of money. I know they have a club option for him next year. But if you can upgrade left field and you feel good about the platoon in right – and you just want to put out a center fielder that plays great defense and, and can contribute occasionally offensively, just get somebody in outfield who can hit in that number six or seven spot. That way, it, it, again, the top five have to be consistent and, and do what they're capable of doing. I just think they're one hitter away from being more than capable of scoring three runs a game. And they should be more than capable with the top five they have now, but I just, I just want to see that one more spot in the lineup get solidified, whether Domingo Santana does get it going or they, they bring somebody else in to do it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's Trade deadline is what, a week away? It's a week away. Yeah. We're not Dude, hearing anything. That's weird. Okay. No, we're not hearing not anything. Let me tell you, let me tell you this, and I don't, I don't agree with this. Um, although oh. I, I've talked to somebody who does agree with this. Okay. Steve, Steve Phillips and Jim Bowden on, on MLB Network Radio today. I said, saw this, yeah. Yeah, they both think that both Clevenger and Plesak will be traded. Now, no. I, think, I think Clevenger will get traded. I think there's a chance, although I've lowered my percentages of that. But to trade both, that would blow me away. I don't see both getting traded. But if they're going to trade both, you're going to get some immediate offense back. Or if you're going to trade more, it's immediate offense back. But no, both are not getting traded. There's no. And I'm sorry for being for for coming out here like this, but I'm going to say it right now. That is to me, that is hogwash. Okay. Talk radio. I well, look, I I think that's just talk radio putting out scenarios and trying to get some engagement. I I just don't think the Indians are going to let these guys go. Here's the thing. I don't think they can get the value they're looking for if they make a trade like that. That 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 would be a trade that you're trying to get rid of the guys. You don't have to do that in this predicament. And the Indians are smarter than that. And everybody points back to the Bauer thing. Again, Trevor Bauer throwing a ball over the Kauffman Stadium wall. It was the exclamation point. The sentence was all but complete on his fate. They were looking into trading him. They absolutely need to pick up some power hitting. And they did. In what I would call, I still maintain, I believe that that was a fair and right deal. I'm not going to sit here and uh, the Indians, I thought, made a good deal there. I, I remember at surface level, I thought that was a good trade. The Indians make good trades. This front office, I think, is well-constructed. So 
I'm not going to sit here. I just don't think that they're going to trade Plesak or Clevenger. We had Mandy Bell on earlier this week, the MLB.com tribe beat reporter. She said the same, and she's as dialed in as anybody. So maybe that'll change. I just don't gather that the Indians are going to do that. Now, you might say, but, John, they don't have a bat. They need a bigger bat. I don't know if you're getting that in this shortened season. And if you are, you're getting a rental and you're getting him for 30 games, and then you're going to end up probably losing the deal because it means you're giving up a great pitcher of the future for somebody like that. Correct? Right, yeah. You're not trading – well, okay, you're not trading Clevenger a police act for a rental. No. And and you're right. It's going to be hard to get the value, and it's it's even harder to do it in 2020. And if you read Zach Meisel, the athletic, he he pointed this out. The Indians thought – before they traded Trevor Bauer to the Reds in, in late July last year, they thought they had a deal with the Reds done a month earlier. It took a month to, to complete the deal, but they already thought they were done with the deal before that. So like, like you said, the ball, the center field wall, nothing to do with it. It was the exclamation point. I, I do think that if they were listening to offers on Mike Clevenger and they were considering trading this winner anyway, I think this whole situation could be his exclamation point, but I think it's less certain the Indians were guaranteed to trade Trevor Bauer last year. I don't care what was happening. And everyone's like, oh, they're selling. And why are they selling while they're in contention? No, it was it was selling to buy. It's it's doing both. It was it was balancing out your roster. I I think there's such a less percentage chance of the Indians doing that this year. But if anything's if anything is gonna happen, then this this is this is the exclamation point for Clevenger's deal. I don't see them trading police sack in you're right. It's going to be hard to get value, and I don't know how they do it in 2020 in general. But they do have to find a way to upgrade that spot, and and maybe it is through a rental. I don't know. The trade deadline is going to be weird and probably very boring. If anything, I don't think it's. I don't think much is going to happen. But it's 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 a, for anybody to say both are getting traded. That's just that blows me away that you would even think that. Although I have a friend who who knows the team pretty well and the organization pretty well who thinks that his gut feeling is that both might go that he thinks that um, the organization's not going to put up with this crap and they're ready to move on, which would be uh, stunning to me. I have a tweet from uh, at Hiram Boyd on Twitter, Hiram in Cleveland. Hiram says, shouldn't they, meaning the Indians have kept Plucko in the bullpen and started Logan Allen. If what Carl Willis is saying uh, is true, meaning, Carl Willis said that they wanted to keep Allen as a safety net in the bullpen. They want to have that long, not a say he didn't say exactly safety net, but that's what he was getting at. He was saying they wanted Allen in the, the middle relief type of role. So Hiram saying, why didn't Plucko just stay in that role? Like he was originally in. Why didn't Logan Allen start for the Indians? I would say they trust Plutko more than they trust Logan Allen at this point. Plutko has done it before and he's, endeared himself to the organization and they probably feel like he's a known commodity. Whereas Logan Allen's been kind of, you know, all over the place. He hasn't had a lot of chances, but the times he's pitched, he's been kind of erratic. So maybe that's why I, I, I think they felt like they, and it hasn't, hasn't happened, but I think they thought they would get more length from Plutko than Allen. And they thought at least they would, and that hasn't worked out, but it, it is interesting to see the choices they've made. Pitching wise, given the situation, it's really telling. I mean, you're not just going to, uh, and this is going more towards Tristan McKenzie. Tristan McKenzie, when he starts on Saturday, he'll have gone 722 days bef- in between starting a actual 
official game in the minors and the majors. You're not just going to throw somebody in a game like that that you don't feel is ready just because the start lines up and you need a pitcher. You, they absolutely have to trust him. And I think that goes towards Adam Pretko How long as well. Again? 722 days. His last start, his last start in the minors was August. Uh, let's see. Let me go back and look here. August 30th of 2018. So he hasn't started a game in, in, in pretty much two years. Wow. And, and that I, that's incredible. You'd have to feel that he's ready. And let's see. Let's see if this kid. I'm not. I'm not going to directly compare, but. Like, I think a natural tribe follower, Justin, thinks about Danny Salazar and the surge that he put the Indians on in 2013. You, know, yeah. you never know. You never know if a guy comes up here, fastball's working, he's feeling good. The Indians have to feel that he's in a good place. And I asked you, if he has a good first start, do we see him a second time out? I would say yes. I mean, I, I think the Indians, like, they, they've had to wait until they could, that they would absolutely have to use a fifth starter. Well, now that day is going to be here. If he convinces the Indians with a quality start, we'll see. We'll. See. I mean, the door's open right now for a fifth starter until we see a drastic shift in the Clevenger Plesak ordeal. I, I think they'll send him back to, to the alternate camp after the start, regardless, just yeah. for service time and and because they and, and to maximize the bullpen or the roster because they do have one more trip through the rotation. They only need four guys, so they have an off day Thursday, so they could. Um, get more start, you know, instead of, instead of giving everybody an extra day between starts, they could just bump everybody up a day to keep them on their five day, like Bieber and Savali, cause you want to, and the Cardinals series is going to be good. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But after next Thursday, the 27th, when they have an off day, um, actually, you know what? They have another off day on the 3rd of September. So they really probably can get by without a fifth starter um, until the 4th of August, when they start a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in 10 days. Well, they'll need two, five, you know, two turns through. So I, if he pitches well, I think we'll see him again. I just don't think we'll, we'll see him right away because they can get by without needing him. But if we see him again before we see Clevenger and Plesak, that also means that Clevenger, if they haven't been traded, that would mean that Clevenger is going to get his free agency delayed by a year. And, well, it's already a given at this point that Zach Plesak is not going to reach Super 2 status now. that's That makes for a really interesting conundrum with the organization because you can almost take it to the bank. I, I feel better about – I feel 100% better about Mike Clevenger if his free agency is delayed by a year due to this this option to the, to the minors. If it delays his free agency by a year, he will file a grievance, no doubt. He will file a grievance. I, I feel much more comfortable saying that than I do saying he'll get traded. That that to me is what I'm going to watch for the next couple days. Next couple days because their ten days in the minors is approaching. If they're not called up at that ten day mark, what do you say? If, if they're not called up at that ten day mark, what, what's going to happen? Say the question again. So, if the Indians do not call, like I said, if if I, I do feel 100 percent confident that. Clevenger will file a grievance if his free agency is delayed by a year due to this option of the minors. And I right. said, please, Sack has already lost super two status. By the time 10 days are up, there's no way he'll be able to make super two status. Um, and as far as arbitration is concerned, right. 
So if they don't call both of them back up, remember they had to be down for 10 days by, by rules, unless there was an injury. If they don't call both of them back up at the 10 day mark or the next time they need them, what does that say? What's going to happen? What, what does that mean for their, their relationship with the organization? And what does that say about their future? I, it, it says that uh, for Mike Clevenger, it says that his days could be numbered. Um, but I, we already knew that his days were numbered. Like we, we know that the Indians probably aren't going to be keeping him past uh, the period that they can keep him, which it's 2022, right? They have this, this option they can pick up, correct? Clevenger, well, 2022 would be his uh, free, would be the year he can reach free agency. Um, obviously keeping him down longer than I think it was 20 something days would, would it lay at the 2023? Okay. So, That's yeah. what you're saying. Well, they're going to have to figure it out then because they have arbitration this off season with him, right? Yeah. He is at our two this winter. Yeah. He's a, yep. So I don't know. I mean, look, I, it's as complicated of a scenario as you're going to find in the sport because this is so unique. You know, and that's why I've thought to myself, if we see something drastic or something weird happen, it's going to be with Clev. Um, it doesn't do good for their standing with the organization if they if they're continue to, to be held down there. I think that this is going to have a better ending than we anticipate. I do. I do. I think these guys are going to be back with the big league club. I don't know when. I don't know when that that switch is going to flip. But I think we could see a meeting. I mean, let, let's let's take a look here. You know, just just look, and they've got three with Minnesota. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. They've been announced the third starter for the Minnesota series, right? They, I'm gonna right go now. out. No, they have not. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that either the day of Wednesday the 26th or Thursday the 27th before they depart for St. Louis, I could see the Indians going ahead and having another sit-down fireside chat to say, where do we go from here heading into St. Louis? Because you've got a day off, and you're going on the road for six days, and then you have another day off. You know, unless they wait for the third to meet back in Cleveland altogether, but they might want to have that day off just to have a day off. I think we could see, you know, before they leave for St. Louis, I think we could see some clarity on this situation. That's my guess. I do agree with you. I really wonder, I mean, you said this is an important start for Plutko, but I do wonder if he'll be the guy that pitches on Wednesday because all along, and they, and they have to say this because otherwise they're going to get in trouble and find if they, and and it's going to help Mike Clevenger's grievance, which I think he might file regardless, to be honest. Um, he, they said that sending those two players down was the best for the team. And he can pro- he doesn't have to say anything more than that because that's, that's all he's saying. But if you want to say that's good for team morale or the, the um, just the mental state of the team, he, I think he's absolutely right. Cause I think it's, you know, maybe some confirmation bias playing games against six or six bad games in a row against two bad teams, but it probably was good for the mental health of the team overall. But to say that throwing Adam Plutko Wednesday against the twins ahead of police sacker Clevenger makes you a better team on the field is wrong. And I don't care how you want to frame it. It's not right. Adam Plutko is not a better pitcher than, than police or Clevenger. You have to put your pitcher in that. They themselves have said, uh, you can't do what's right just because it's convenient. That's been a direct quote. 
No, you're right. I mean, but if you're saying, if we're trying to field the best team to win, and and Chris Anthony did say, or maybe it was Mike Turnoff did say, we felt that this was the this move is what made us better as a ball club. We're doing what's best for us as a ball club. And he has to say that, but is anybody going to believe him? And I know, like you said, what they can't always do what's right. They can't always, you know, do what's right when it's convenient for you. But I don't think anybody can say or anybody can believe them wholeheartedly that they're a better team for Adam Plutko pitching against the twins on the 26th of August than they are either Mike Clevenger or, or Zach Plesak. Yeah, I'm. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I just. So you're right. I think that's. I think. I think that's. That's to, to me. That's saying you're right. This is going to come to a head. I do. The day or the yep. day after. You're right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's. This is a. It's a fascinating predicament. Um. You know, you you look. You look ahead for this team this weekend. They've won twenty straight over the Detroit Tigers. And I have to check the history here, but they are flirting with the longest winning streak over a single opponent in modern MLB history. Like I, I again, this has been unbelievable uh, what they've done against Detroit. Does the streak end this weekend? No. Wow, they're gonna sweep them again. Three more, yeah, three more. Keeping the, the record is twenty three. The record is 23 Oreos against the Royals in 1969. So if they went all three, they would tie the record. I think, I think it happens. I, I think the, the pitching is too good for them to, um, to let this one go. I don't think the Tigers have enough offense to, to challenge them. And their bullpen's bad too. Yeah, it is. I think the only thing I like, I actually am I'm intrigued. Like you said earlier about our, our starters, about the Indian starters this weekend. Um, you know, I think Carrasco Sunday, I know Scooball's on the other side, but that is a big start for Cookie, too, because he's been really upset with his lack of command recently. Yeah, he definitely needs to, to reel it in. And I, maybe, well, Roberto Perez did catch him on Tuesday, so I don't know. Maybe, I, I think they'll find a way to get him out of the rut. It was, with Perez being back and how good this organization is with pitching, I think they'll... Uh, They'll get him to reel it back in. The Tigers, the Tigers should be a perfect elixir. Is I say that? I never use that word right. Uh, they they should be the magic potion for for Carrasco to get that back together because magic potion. They, yeah, they they chase out of the zone quite a bit, so I, I could see them being a good um, a good spot for him to regain his command. So Detroit just lost nine nothing yesterday. Lucas Giolito struck out thirteen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's going to be fine. Yeah, so that nine and seven start, they have lost. Oh my, they've lost seven in a row. The Tigers oh, as a team have striking out twenty eight percent of the time this year. The Indians have struck out twenty six point eight, but the Tigers are striking out twenty eight percent of the time this year as a team. That's uh, fourth worst in baseball. No, no. <laughs> no. I think they'll be well, just. That, they lost nine nothing to the White Sox. They lost three to five the day before. Um, you know, lineup wise, Candelario leads off, good leadoff hitter, hitting hitting nearly 260, 783 OPS. Nico Goodrum was excellent against the Indians. I was very impressed with him. Yeah, he's back in the lineup. I think he was out for a couple days. He had had some sort of injury. 
Um, they're, yeah. their bats are okay. I, they're okay. The bottom of the order is not good. I mean, you've got uh, Bonifacio, Jones, who's Jacoby Jones has actually had a solid year. He has had a great year. Brainer and Paredes have been terrible. Well, um, Paredes just came up. He just came up. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm I'm Crone, who was their best hitter. Miguel Cabrera, I know he's had some good hit, hits back up the middle and he's staying on the ball, but he's not hitting for power. You'll take the singles over the home runs at this point in his career. They'll get him out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel good about it. I mean, will they lose the game? Maybe they will, but I, I would, I'd be comfortable going to Vegas saying they'll sweep. Um, the Twins are in Kansas City. Now, the, the Royals have given them trouble. Um, but, again, you're facing Kansas City. Then they're going to come into Cleveland. This is the start of a three-city road trip for the Twins. They've got the Royals, then the Indians, and then four in Detroit. So, I'll tell you what, that, that three-game series in Cleveland between the Twinkies and Tribe is such a big series. My gosh. The Twins' next five series, their next five series, Justin, at Kansas City, at Cleveland, at Detroit for four, home to Chicago, home to Detroit for four. (laughs) Then they face the Cardinals for a doubleheader, and then it's three at home against the Indians. Wow. Wow. So these next six games against the Twins are, are obviously gigantic, but this next three, you're right. Man, they really are. They, that, they, and that, that's why these these nine games against the Tigers and the Pirates were so important because you pretty much needed to win like seven or eight of them at minimum to keep your division hopes alive. And look, Minnesota, Minnesota's not all that healthy either. Rich Hill didn't pitch a good game the last the last time out. Byron Buxton's hurt again, and Mitch Garver went on the eye out with uh, what seems like a serious injury, and he was a killer a year ago. So um, they're not in the best spot either. So we'll, it, it's going to be a fascinating series to see what happens. Hey, here's the thing. My final thought on this Indians ball club right now is, again, they've shown us something over the last week. They fought their way right back into the division race. Savali and Bieber, incredible. Savali's complete game performance, impressive, uh, the way he responded from his previous start. And I think it's an important weekend for Plucko and Carrasco. And I'm so excited to see Tristan McKenzie on Saturday. I think everybody is. We've heard about this kid for a long time. And we're going to have Andrew Luffglass on on Saturday, the captain's broadcaster, give us a lot of perspective on him in a, a special smoke signals pod. Now again, going up against this Tigers pitching staff, and you're back home, can Ramirez and Lindor do some home cooking? If the answer to that question is yes, Justin, then the Cleveland Indians can beat the Twins in that three-game series in Cleveland next week. If they are not turning it back on, I get concerned. It's time this weekend for those two back at home to turn it on. That's that's my breakdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off you there and say that exact same thing. The As the as Ramirez, as Ramirez goes, the Indians offense goes. But when you have Ramirez and Lindor both going, it bodes well for everybody else in the lineup. And you're right. Those two need to get it going, especially Lindor, because he has not got it going at all this year. And it's the longest stretch of his career where he's played this poorly. So you're right. The Indians offense will be a reflection of those two. And if they get it going, they can take two or three from the Twins. If they don't, they might 
come away with one. And that might mean losing a two to one game, unfortunately. And let's hope that doesn't happen on a Bieber night because you've got to whenever Bieber starts from here on out. Um, no question about it. We'll see if they can keep this streak going both overall and the 20 game winning streak <laughs> over the Tigers going this weekend. We'll see. Yeah. Don't lose the Detroit. Keep it going. Keep, uh, <laughs> Keep keep so we can at least keep saying at least we're not Detroit, you know. At least give us that. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's that's going to do it for us today. And uh, keep checking the site for the uh, the top fifty one midseason prospect re ranks. That's still going on. We're going to get to the last thirty here in the next two weeks or so. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow official underscore RBI. Follow John at John underscore Fanta. Follow me at Jail underscore Baseball. Please check out our special podcast, as John mentioned, on Saturday or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, uh, with Andrew Luffglass, who is the captain's broadcaster, who has seen Tristan McKenzie. He's seen Shane Bieber. He's seen Zach Plesak. He's seen Aaron Savali. Uh, he's seen some of the best pitchers come through Lake County, and uh, he has a good perspective on the Indians' pitching development and um, Tristan McKenzie and, and everything going on at Classic Park. He, you know, he does shed a little light on what's going on at Classic Park, too in the alternate training site. So definitely, definitely want to check that out and uh, yeah, follow us and, and get ready for, for more post game content and uh, everything else. Uh, thanks for listening. If you got this deep and uh, we'll catch you next week.